his mind. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Ms. Aida, psychic and author of her new book, A List of Demonic Names, A Pocket Guide for the Paranormal Investigator, Exorcist, Psychic, and Metaphysical Practitioner. Also, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, Author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And this episode is being sponsored by tarotbyginger.com. And you can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com. And I highly recommend her if you are looking to find out what type of energies or surrounding situations in your life. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Machiel Clark. And he has a book out called A Dream Guidance, Connecting to the Soul Through Dream Incubation. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Gary. I've been looking forward to spend uh, time with you and dream along. All right. So, me too. Me too. I've been looking forward to this. And, you know, dream incubation is actually an interest of mine. I haven't actually done a lot of practice in it. Um, but I have heard of it, and I've done some other episodes on it. Um, I give my, my listeners a little bit of an overview of like what dream incubation is and where it maybe originated from and where it's going to go in the future. Dream incubation is the uh, very old method of asking your dream a question before you go to sleep in order for you to have a helpful dream. And in the old days, one thought that uh, the divine or God or spirit or ancestor did communicate in our dreams. And so people would uh, ask before they went to bed a question to their ancestor or the divine in order for them to get guidance on anything that was relevant to their life. Whether it was uh, who to marry, uh, to enter a business, to start a war or not start a war, where to hunt. Uh, where to sleep and uh, it comes back in almost any uh, spiritual and, uh, and uh, tradition around the world so there's not really one place where it originates it's almost like this is a human instinct a human knowledge that uh, people figured out that some something creative intelligence speaks to us at uh, at night mm-hmm. and uh, I've studied all these traditions and somewhat summarized them in practical five-step method for people to do this, uh, this themselves. So what are the five steps? Like, I know like the hardest part for me is, um, staying focused, keeping the thing that I want to incubate in my mind long enough to actually become something in my dream. Yes. Great. Uh, great, uh, uh point. There's, uh, uh, two, two of the five steps are really vital. The first, the first step that's so important is asking the right question, and then the second part is uh, doing a ritual that uh, pumps up the uh, the intent and expectation, the the focus, so that the dream does respond. I could maybe give an an, an example mm-hmm. that uh, that helps uh, to understand it better. 
recently a client of mine, uh, I'm also a licensed uh, mental health therapist, he uh, asked, uh, he said, Magil, I have uh, been uh, divorced for a year. I'm trying to get uh, back in the dating life and, and it doesn't really flow yet. Could I ask my dream for support and guidance? And yes, of course, that's, that's a great uh, question to ask because it's relevant to your life. And uh, the question needs to be relevant to one's life uh, because that is what the dream is, is interested in, in, in helping and supporting you to become you. Hmm. So, so, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you know, when we go into, like, like what are, like, why use something like dream incubation rather than um, a more know, physical or, you know, more, re you know, everyday reality-based way to achieve something? Well, there are, there are many ways that, uh, that lead to uh, the desired outcome. If one has a very strong intuition that can work, uh, life communicates through synchronistic events, that works. If you follow your heart, that really works. And uh, in dreams, the uh, question is, uh, is, is really, uh, the answer is really presented in an, uh, in an uh, accessible format. It's very hard uh to uh the dream is sometimes like a psychological x-ray where it just presents where we are in life and and what we see and what we don't see and in in this dream format it is sometimes easier to see where are we on our life journey where is life heading understand the the, the messages so dreams uh dreams is is a tool it's not the only tool by far which is a really helpful tool because in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, in, in a storyline, it, it suggests where you are and, and where to go. Are there any areas where something like dream incubation and prophetic dreams cross paths? Yeah. The prophetic dream that, uh, maybe you've had, uh, had them and probably many of the people that listened and watched that the dream uh, somehow seems to know what happens in the future or what happens somewhere else in the country or in another continent. So that, that, that suggests that there is some intelligence, some wisdom living inside of us or uh, speaking to us through our dreams that has a knowledge that we don't have, that knows what's about to happen. And in dream incubation, we proactively turn to that source, mm -hmm. that creative source that knows and we start asking it questions, maybe about the future. What does it look like for me to take this job? How would it be to, uh, to move to this city? And we engage that, uh, that creative intelligence uh, for support and guidance on our life path. Hmm. So would it be safe to say that when we do it, a dream incubation um, technique, we are setting ourselves to move towards a probability. And then in a prophetic dream, we're kind of looking at some of the various probabilities that are available for us. Yeah, and I, I, I think that the prophetic dream, uh, um, that, that some of these probabilities are so likely to, uh, to happen, they're so far in their un unfolding, that they, uh, that they manifest. And that uh, uh, what it looks like after studying a lot of this dream incubation, trying to, to predict the future, 
that the, that the future is ver very malleable and still dependent upon of a lot of choices that people make along the along the road. But some mm -hmm. of these these things are so far along that the dream can predict this is gonna gonna happen. So why does this work? Why why are we able to use a technique like dream incubation and get results? And why are we able to get glimpses of the future through our dreams? Why is this happening? Like why? What does this? I mean, why does it happen? And what does it really say about us and our interaction with reality? Those are huge questions, and in, indeed, uh, really tantalizing uh, thoughts. How, for, first of all, we we know that uh, the dream is able to predict the the future, and sometimes uh, very accurately, and that uh, that that uh, even uh, an institute like Harvard has uh, studied uh, this this technique and noticed that uh, indeed, uh, when people ask questions that are emotionally relevant or of medical nature. The dream is interested in helping and educating. And so that is what we know. And uh, uh, then we can, uh, sp then, we, then we probably see that we are connected to something larger than ourselves, almost like we are waves on the ocean. Mm -hmm. And the wave is able to, uh, to engage with the ocean that is much larger and broader and has intelligence about other waves and about where it probably is moving and knows its own currents. And is uh, is interested in helping this wave, this wave, us, become the best possible wave we can become, and uh, um, somehow the universe or life is interested in helping us become us, just like the rose seed becomes a rose and the acorn becomes an oak, the human innately uh, is destined to become uh, itself. And life tries to help us become ourselves. However, we have free will, so we don't have to go in a certain direction. If we decide to do something else, it appears that life allows us to do that and is not judgmental to it. But if we ask it, how can I be more happy? How can I find a partner? It's interesting in, in helping us with that when that belongs to our path. Hmm. Do you does that mean that reality is just a form of consciousness? It is in itself a dream, inside a dream, probably inside a dream. Well, in 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 a certain way, it is uh, uh, what you see in a dream is that at night in the dream we are in a different world. Dreams are worlds we find ourselves in, mm -hmm. and this world is uh, is a creation by our own uh, expectations and beliefs and, and feelings and thoughts, but also is formed by something larger than ourselves. The co-creation between uh, our personal unconscious and the collective unconscious or our thoughts and the mystery. And, uh, and together they, they do create all these worlds. And then at night we're in this world where we interact and then we wake up and then we're in this world where we have somewhat similar experiences, mm -hmm. and uh, and and uh, and so we're living constantly in in different worlds, and these different worlds seem to be manifestations of uh, of this mysterious force that, in one form, we can look at it as energy or as consciousness, and consciousness comes into being through world creations, of which this is one world, 
and that night is another world. And technically, the world we experience is our own world because it's just filled in with, uh, with our own beliefs projected on, on some external reality. But all humans have uh, lived in their own world where they share the, the, the world, the ocean as well. Mm. When we have prophetic dreams, yeah. how much attention should we give those dreams like do we like if we get if i get a dream where um, i'm in a car accident like should i just stop driving for a few months or should i just be more aware when i'm driving yeah that's uh, that's a really great question and um, um sometimes we have that if it if we are convinced that it is an uh, it is an uh, prophetic dream then at the minimum we can take some uh, steps to, uh, to 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 ponder some of these questions and think: Should I should I uh, maybe uh, not drive? Should I maybe drive more carefully? Have I not been driving carefully recently? Um, I could ask my dream: What can I do to avoid having a car crash? Nay, we'll have another dream that uh, uh, perhaps shows what you could do. Uh, to avoid it and maybe that uh, maybe you have a dream in which you see yourself uh, taking the bus or going on the bike or maybe you see yourself driving a car but being really attentive mm -hmm. and uh, but those are those are really really great questions how do you listen to the to the dream and on top of it some dreams are more symbolic yeah so then uh, this uh, the car crash is more uh, uh, the the business or project you're in is uh, is crashing. How about symbolism in dreams? You know, like with Carl Jung, and he identified all these different symbols in dreams, and assigned different meanings to them. Yeah. Do you believe that there is a collective unconscious, and that these symbols have those actual meanings, or do you think that they're you know like 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 Jung seen little bit more kind of structured and strict about the meanings of certain symbols and other people are more fluid and, and look at them they take more of a personal line like, like this symbol i'm going to look at it through my own personal database of experience inside of meaning that way yeah um which way do you think is the most effective way when doing interpretation it's uh it's it's a little bit on the spectrum so on the on the more personal element, let's say that uh, we have that this is a, that that uh, I have a dream, that I'm having a podcast and that I'm mumbling along, and mm -hmm. so I have this really self-critical thought, and then in the dream, my former boss steps in and he starts looking at me and shakes his head. So the next day, you and I would say, gosh, what would this dream mean? And what does this former boss uh, mean to you? And I would say, oh, the former boss was really critical. So what you see is that uh, criticalness has taken on the form and shape of my former boss. The criticalness puts on a, a suit in which it presents in the dream uh, life the feelings and experience of criticalness. This is, this is a personal personal symbol because yeah. his wife might think well no he's uh, he's generous and he's laughing and he's such a good uh, dad to uh, uh, his kid 
So there's the personal manifestation. On a more collective level, you have these, these archetypal themes where Jung talks about, that's the old wise man or mother or coming home. And we all share uh, a sense of home or journey or death or mother. So there's some, 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 some archetypal similarity in the sense of feeling at home or mother. However, then we all still have all our own personal database of experiences that also get painted over mother, because your experience of mom is, is by nature different than mine and anyone that listens, even if there's a lot of similarities in it. So um, the larger sense of mother, which might be uh, protecting, nurturing, some of those uh, qualities get overlaid with lack of nurturing, uh, not being seen, or overly nurturing. And so the collective symbol always gets filled up with personal experiences as well, and, and will be a, a bit of a mixture. Hmm. So do you think that's why human beings maybe have such a dualistic perspective on reality? Can can you say more what you mean with that? Well, I'm thinking like like you have like this one image of, of mom, you know, where she's loving and nurturing and whatever, but then you might have a human or you know a, a person who's had not had that experience with that individual, or it was like the opposite. So now this person is left with the archetype of what mom's supposed to be and what the experience, and it creates this dualistic view on reality. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, it, it, or, or even a an, an, an pluralistic view that everyone has a, has a slightly different experience of reality. And uh, because what we see, we believe that is really there. But there's an internal painter that paints over the world we see. And, and, and the psychological step number one is what we see is for a big part a construct of the psyche we have and not what is really out there but because we see it out there we start getting convinced that this person is uh, is maybe a good or a bad president or a good or bad uh, politician or a good or bad businessman or a good or bad mother but that is formed by the internal painter of each individual therefore you have all these different uh, perspectives and where it where it easily gets wrong is when we believe that our perspective is the absolute truth. And then we can get really quickly inflamed with others that don't have the same perspective. Hmm. How about when all these things are in alignment? Does that make for a healthier person? It, ha it makes uh, for an, uh, an easier life the moment that we know that what we see is the creation of uh, our own uh, psyche, our own mind, or our own soul. And that, uh, um, uh, that takes a little bit away the, uh, the absolutism of it, so that I don't need to convince you that this, uh, this policy is the only right policy and, and, and that your, your perspective is per definition less or wrong. And, uh, but also, uh, our childhood, our woundings in life 
are also used by this internal painter by which it paints over reality. So if a person comes back from the war and had an experience of a bomb explode and, uh, and, 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 and his friends died, the next time he might hear a firework, he, he gets really startled because the internal painter immediately paints over the old emotions that haven't been worked through on reality. And uh, if you can start learning, hey, there's an internal painter is doing this, and I learn about this painting, and I can start learning to relate differently to my perceived reality, I get that, uh, I start to get at ease or more at ease, and then you can work through trauma or childhood woundings. Um, and that makes life much more easy because otherwise we're just responding to an outside world with aggression or fear, while it's actually our internal world of woundings that is causing this, uh, this perception. Mm. So you believe that it is worth the effort and time to go back and look at our past and see how they're affecting us in the future, rather than just changing our patterns moving forward. I think they're uh, they're walking hand in hand, so it's only interesting to 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 go back to the past mm -hmm. if that past is is still playing out. So if I've been growing up in a family where uh, people didn't see me, didn't recognize me, and I still get really angry when my partner isn't listening to me, and I get excessively angry and I start yelling at uh, at him or her, then it becomes uh, relevant to, uh, to, to change that pattern. And it is easy to see, oh, I was uh, wounded in childhood, therefore this is happening. And now that gives me some understanding why it is happening. But in the here and now, I need to change my, my pattern because understanding of the past doesn't change the pattern and it's only relevant if you change what's going on in the here and now uh, for uh, to to move forward, does that uh, do, do, do does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in some ways, it does make sense. I but I do also at the same time believe that sometimes if we look back, we can't. There's no guarantee we're going to find the cause of a behavior by looking back. So we might True. look back and we may search for something and never find it because. Either we really did forget it due to maybe some type of trauma or physical injury to the brain or, yeah. or whatever. So, in, you know, at that point, all a person can do, I mean, has two ways to go. They can obsess and get stuck with trying to find out what it is and never move forward. Or they can do their best, say, okay, I'm not going to understand this. However, I'm going to try to change going forward. Yes, and I, I hear you, and I'm also of the pragmatic uh, approach that uh, what really the only thing that really uh, is important is that uh, here and now, that the wounds or the uh, change in the here and now. And if you know where it comes from and it helps you to change it in the here and now, it's great. But if you let's say a person is really afraid for being locked up in prison but uh, has no uh, has never been in prison uh, that's uh, just some phobic fear that the person has 
well, we can speculate maybe a previous life or DNA or who knows. But it, it doesn't matter that person has that problem in the here and now and then learn to relate differently to that fear and work through it. That's what, what really counts. So if we can, it, it's not necessary to, to understand the past. It sometimes clarifies. Do you ever take into account past life trauma? Do you do any work in that area? Well, I've, I've, I've uh, uh, looked at it uh, uh, quite a bit. And, and of course, in biology, you start now seeing that there are in, uh, inherited genes that uh, by which trauma moves through the family line. So, uh, and, and people that uh, were in, in, in concentration camps, the second and third generation still uh, have has similar responses, and in mouses, they in, in, in with animals, they did did uh, horrible research on traumatizing a mouse with a certain smell, and then the child of that uh, of that mouse would give him that smell, and it would also respond uh, with with anxiety, something they would never have learned, but was clearly inherited, and uh, so at one hand. Uh, we, we don't seem to be an uh, independent vessel. We inherit psychological structures mm -hmm. from our ancestors. And, and I think I would even widen that up. And I think that, that, we, that, 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 that there's probably something in humanity that, that, that we can inherit so that it is even broader than our blood ancestors that we can, uh, can get stuck with. And that could be explained by previous lives or that, uh, let's say, the metaphor of the ocean, that the water from this wave comes and that wave comes and there's a new wave. And that would be kind of an incarnation of the previous waters that are not necessarily linear, mm. but are coming together. Do you think it's beneficial for people to do past life regressions? Um, again, uh, if it, if it, uh, if it, if it really if it helps the person work through their issue yes if they get uh, to know gosh you were poor in a previous life and therefore you have now uh, uh, money issues yeah if I first of all I don't know if that's true but uh, yeah if it if it helps it could be and uh, I I've, I have seen people that, uh, that, that really feel that, uh, that, that they got in touch with a previous life and that it helped them and it makes sense why they had this unexplainable fear or recurring problem. It just puts, it gives often to people the sense of, oh, now I understand why I have this issue. And this is an issue that's not my personal fault, but I have to, uh, to deal with it. And, uh, and that, that, that can be very helpful. Hmm. How about um, like like how much power is there in this? You know, I've always like when I, when I look at it, I say like, okay, you know, I can definitely see this working on a subtle level. You know, to change things slowly over a long period of time. But can it also be used to bring about sudden and drastic? Results also. Yeah, in the uh, in the history, especially of that dream incubation, where you ask the dream for uh, for help, 
It was uh, uh, often uh, done for medical reasons in the old Greek tradition of Asclepius that was between 500 before to 500 after Christ. People would walk to the temple uh, and then have a pilgrimage, do rituals, and then ask the god Asclepius for healing. And based on, uh, on the documents they have, there were indeed spontaneous uh, remissions and healings occurring at those temples. Mm. That's why it also lasted for, uh, for a long time. So sometimes spontaneous uh, remissions happen or cures happen due to this technique, but of course not a guarantee. It's not a scientific repeatable pattern. And also people sometimes ask simple questions like this person we started talking about, about the dating. He, he wanted to figure out what's my biggest obstacle in dating life. Mm -hmm. And then he had a dream in which he was driving through a tunnel. He said, oh, I think I see a mountain lion. Oh, no, it's a tiger. It's beautiful, but I get really scared. I slam on the brakes and I'm back out. And so he looked at that structure of the dream and said, oh, when I meet something that I find really beautiful, uh, I get uh, scared. And when I get scared, I'm out. And I was like, oh, where in your dating life do you recognize this? So that's a small help on a person's journey right. to find a, a suitable partner. And people have also gotten uh, uh, really helpful uh, answers to how can I love myself more deeply or what's one type of food that I can eat. My mom did that and then she was seeing that she was uh, uh, drinking uh, water and then she forgot about the water and it became old. And my mom said, oh, I know this. I should drink a little bit more water. I sometimes uh, get a glass of water and I forget about it. It was suggesting I oh, drink a little bit more water. Very small but helpful element. So it can range from the small to the really big mm -hmm. and from the one time to the more really long, long journey aspect of life. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, that Carl Jung also talked about was like small dreams and big dreams. Yeah. yeah. Is that sort of like applicable to what you're saying here too? Like, you know, you have yeah. this small part of it and then you have like the big picture of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a nice, uh, nice way of uh, also looking at it. Some dreams are, uh, are really uh, deep, profound. They make a huge change and some dreams are much smaller. They help on uh, on a practical but uh, smaller level in uh, in life. Hmm. Um. So how much can like, like, um? What am I thinking now? Also, train of thought. Mm -hmm. Lucid dreaming. Can we change our direction through lucid dreaming? Yes. So. For, for, for those that might not know what a lucid dream is, a lucid dream is a dream in which you know that you are dreaming. So you're in the dream and at once you think, oh my gosh, I'm dreaming. And once you uh, know in the dream you're dreaming, you notice, hey, I'm in this world. And you can uh, proactively ask a question or do an experiment. So you can ask your dream characters, who are you? What brings you here? Do you have a message for me? Or you can uh, fly around, 
uh, ask uh, the dream for uh, for for again for the same kind of questions that you would do in dream incubation. But now you're in the dream state, and in that state, the dream will respond immediately to your thoughts and questions and expectations and your intent. So you could ask. Uh, Please dream, show me something important for me to see, or I would like to experience. I once had uh, uh, that I wanted to experience unconditional love. So I said, dream, I would love to experience unconditional love. Right. And I was, was zapped in this state for a minute, and then it went away. So it, uh, you, it, you don't have control over the dream. But you can engage with the dream world, mm -hmm. and because the dream world will so quickly respond to you, you can do all kinds of experiments. Is there any difference between that and like astral projection and astral travel? Well, I think that uh, they're very similar, yet uh, yet uh, probably uh, uh, slightly different uh, worlds. So, uh, what you see in uh, you have an out of body experience. For example, that is then you're still very often in, in this world, but slightly different. The world becomes slightly different. In uh, in the dream, your body is still in this world, but you're in an imaginal world. Right. And um, even psychedelics, you would take a psychedelics, you are in this world and in another world. Mm -hmm. And I think the astral uh, travel is is also your depends on how 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 awake you are in that state but you're also in this world and traveling through one of the other worlds that are just coexisting to this world mm. and, and and what you start noticing is that these worlds all are constructed in the same way the same same psychological principles of of your belief system and expectations intent uh willpower focus and this mystery factor x co-create those worlds but the dream world is is very uh fluid where this world is much more dense so these in the dream world things can you can you can fly which you cannot do in this world but the principles are the same hmm. do both worlds have to exist in order for the other one to exist like can we exist in this reality without dream reality or or vice versa? Um, well, dream reality exists. So it's it's impossible for it not to exist because it's just there. It's like air. Uh, um, so, and we dream every night. Everyone dreams every night. A research shows it's about two hours. And I think even that when you wake up, the dream reality doesn't disappear. It just becomes a different frequency or stream of consciousness that continues to coexist. So when you daydream, the dream reality comes up again. Or when you fantasize, or when you are in the flow of things, this reality and the dream uh, reality, they merge. So I think these, these different realities uh, uh, of these different worlds, they are interconnected and coexist. And... Uh, that's uh, just how uh, how it appears to me that uh, reality manifests itself. Hmm. What do you think? I 
you know, it's, it, it, for me too, it, for me, it's an unanswerable question, you know, um, it, it, it seems like the two are dependent upon each other, but I also don't know, like, for example, like say consciousness is flowing from left to right and then it hits the dream state and then there is no this reality, then it would just be the dream stage. Or if it's coming from right to left and it hits the reality stage and there's no dream stage, then you're stuck in a reality stage. So it's kind of like, I think if you take one out, you're taking away the bridge to the next one. So it's kind of like, maybe like a rainbow, you know? Everything's just sort of busted out of like that one source. And you go through them all to experience them. I I don't know. It's a really difficult, difficult question. I, I, I imagine it to be more like a rainbow. So it is, uh, uh, this one reality creates them all. So it's more, there's no linear line, but in one point that at the same time burst into all these other manifestations. Hmm. An eternal now with all kinds of manifesting that are somehow all part of itself. What do you think about unexplained phenomena being where the two realities sort of just cross over and meet sometimes? Do you think that can explain a lot of, you know, paranormal things like ghosts and stuff like that? Yeah, I do. I And, and, and if, if, if everything is this eternal now with the wavering into manifest manifesting of all these interdependent realities then then they can co-align and the ancestor or a dead person just continues to coexist but it's just in another frequency that might have uh that might merge with this frequency from time to time therefore we have a poltergeist phenomenon or we can still uh, get a sense that uh, grandpa or mom is around because they're around, but not in this, in our perceptual reality here, but just in another perceptual reality that we don't have normally access to. But that's more our limitation. That doesn't mean it's not coexisting. So, so they are probably interdependent with each other. That that would be my uh, my working uh, hypothesis, and my experience makes me m- come to that conclusion. I agree. You know, like I can't necessarily say obviously for sure because I don't know. I don't know where the, this whole thing begins and ends, or if it even has a beginning and ending. Maybe it's you know it's a cycle. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the funny things about being human, you know, is that we have no idea really what it is we're experiencing. Here we are, we're living life, we act like we know what we're doing, you know, we we try our best to survive, but at the end, we don't know what this is. I I, I love that thought, and I agree, and if, and I also think if you if you take this thought. Like, hey, we don't really know. 
So the, the world then becomes kind of a mystery and we become a little bit more mystified and more bewildered. And in a bewildered state, it's more interesting to engage with the world. Bewilderment is an, is an, is an, is an enjoyable engagement with the world. And I think also a little bit more correct than I know what this world is and where it came from and what we do. Actually, we, we, we know some things about it, but we don't know if there's a beginning and an end. It, it's just, I cannot, I, I, I can only think, oh, there cannot be a beginning and an end. It must, it must always exist because things cannot, cannot not be there. Even nothing is a form of something. But that's my limitation, of course, of my mind, and uh, and and to become and and to be more in a place of not knowing, and not knowing, then you can be really open to creativity flowing through you, through us. Because if you already know, it's very limiting, and the more and and very often knowing is is a defense mechanism towards the the wildness of this mystery it is it is definitely a mystery it's a mystery do you think that other animals question you think like like dogs have the same questions that we have yeah i i don't think it's interesting i i don't think they do but i do think they're much more in tune with with life itself they're much more if, if they're not ill, they're much more instinctual. They're very loving, way more loving than we humans are and forgiving and, and following their nose and just, uh, doing their thing. But I don't think, I, I don't think that they, that they really, they, they, they do know things. They clearly experience sadness and loss and they know when death is coming. So they know some things, but they seem to respond to that in a, not, not with the philosophical ideas of wh where do I go or where did this come from or having a, a, a conversation like this. I don't, I don't think that happens on the dark level. What do you think? Do you think they do? I think, I think they know more than we do. I do think they're better in tune with nature than we are. Yeah, but I think they might know even more about what happens before um, in afterlife. I, that's why they, maybe they don't have the fear of it. That, that's, that's very well possible. That's very well possible. I've, I've worked with an African uh, shaman in whose uh, tradition uh, uh, the trees have the highest form of consciousness then uh, it's the animals and only then uh, are the humans so it's a way less uh, human-centric uh, idea about the universe and and consciousness if trees are more uh, more aware and more conscious and higher states of consciousness i mean mushrooms might uh, have a have a very high uh, state of consciousness people eat those things they they sometimes tap into that that so maybe they do maybe uh, we're just catching up uh, on uh, on where the trees and mushrooms and stones and animals are <laughs>
Um, so how do we put all this together? Like, how do we put together the whole picture that we've talked about? The incubation, prophetic dreams, astral travel, lucid dreaming, looking at our past, looking at trauma, and and trying to create something better for the future. You know, before we wrap, like, it's a, like sort of a wrap up. Like, how do we put all that together? Well, these are all uh, uh, questions and explorations that can come from, from engaging with your dreams. Uh, there's many ways that uh, can lead to these uh, outcomes, but dreams is just one path. And in the dream, what you start noticing is, hey, I'm in a different world. How is this world created? Dreams can be awareness practices to become aware, lucid in the dream itself, which, which will mean that we start learning more about the nature of reality, both how it functions as uh, the limitations where it becomes mystified, and that we start learning that there is a larger awareness that is in the dream, that co-creates the dream, that we can engage with this larger awareness, the mystery of life. And that the mystery of life is interested in helping and educating us when we ask for its guidance. There is free will, and so it, it, it let us do what we want. But if we ask for guidance, the mystery of life is willing to help us in our dreams and that can help us live a more interesting, fulfilling, and colorful life. And that, uh, and then we can work through problems, traumas, childhood wounds, become more, uh, more happy, uh, healthy, heal, uh, heal things, and uh, unravel a little bit the mystery of life. And at the same time, that unraveling leads to uh, becoming more uh, bewildered by uh, how grand and beautiful and strange and weird and terrifying life uh, can be as well hmm well that definitely sort of sums that up because life is terrifying but i don't know it's just a weird adventure too it's a weird adventure that's <laughs> right <laughs> so before we wrap it up where's the best place for my listeners to find you find your book uh, the book is titled dream guidance and my last name is Clerk, K-L-E-R-K. It's available on uh, the uh, larger um, uh, uh, booksellers like Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles. They can go to my uh, personal website. It's my first and last name, Machiel Clerk, M-A-C-H-I-E-L-K-L-E-R-K.com. Maybe it's in the notes. And then uh, they can find uh, more about uh, the book and uh, services that I do and about a company that I started out of a dream called the Jung Platform with great courses on Jungian psychology and uh, dreams. And, um, and the book is really written for the general audience, so you don't need to have ever had a dream. If you want to have some guidance through your dreams and write this five-step process, everyone can apply. And uh, if you really follow the steps, You'll, uh, you'll, you'll notice that there's some help on standby to, uh, to help you uh, live a little bit more a colorful, meaningful life. Hmm. All right. And what's your website? Machiel Klerk, M-A-C-H-I-E-L-K-L-E-R-K.com. All right. Well, I'll put a link to that in those just episodes so my listeners can find you, find your book, find your services. And it's been a pleasure having you on. And I hope we get to do it again. 
it was a joy uh, engaging in these uh, conversations uh, that uh, really uh, explore the mystery of the world. Thank yes. you. Thank you. I'm just going to play the outro. Hang on for one moment. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.